If you have your Bibles today, last week we talked about holding on. This week, we want to continue in that vein, but we want to talk about not just holding on to God, but standing fast. Say that with me, standing fast. I'm going to read from the Old Covenant. Let me tell you where we're going as soon as I find out where it is. I got it marked here, so it won't take me long. Second Samuel, chapter 23, beginning with verse 11 through 12. We don't have a lot of scripture to begin with as our, our opening statement scripture that we're going to build on. But let me make a statement as we go to that. The armor of God, and we're going to go there in just a little bit in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, beginning there. You can mark that down at the bottom of your Bible because it's going to go from here to there in the new covenant. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood in Ephesians 6.10, but against powers and principalities. rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. I used to love to hear Sister Dale sing, we're going up to the high places and tear the devil's kingdom down. I love Reinhard Bonnke's attitude toward evangelism as he went into Africa and had some of the biggest crowds in the world come, come to hear the gospel. In fact, they, they bought the trucks to carry the gospel tent that would hold 50,000 people. It, it, there's a whole lot of canvas and a whole lot of poles and a whole lot of chairs. So they bought a convoy of new big humongous trucks that could navigate and get out into the boondocks where they held their meetings. And they bought it from, at that time, Omar Gaddafi. Isn't it amazing that God takes what the devil means for evil and uses it for good? That's incredible. From his, his government, they bought the trucks. And he had an attitude. He said, we're going to plunder hell and populate heaven. I like that attitude. Because the Bible said that the gates of hell would not stand against the church that Christ is building. That means that not that we can't get out of there. It means that we can actually tear down those gates to see those that sit in darkness see this great light. Praise God for that. We should be aggressive Christians. That We should be militant in our attitude today. The armor is for soldiers. It's not to wear a uniform because, you know, the uniform really looks nice. I had a friend that joined uh, the United States Marine Corps because he liked their uniform. Out of high school, it was actually a family member. Nephew, I don't, I'm, I don't know anyway. I, he's a cousin, some kind of distant cousin. He decided, I'm going to be a United States Marine. So he joined at as early age as they would let him in years ago. And he wrote his mama from Paris Island boot camp. And he said, Mother, please write our congressman and tell him, is there anything he can do to help me get out of the Marine Corps? I believe I have made a big mistake he loved the uniform, but he didn't want the discipline. 
And he didn't want the rigors, and he didn't want, certainly didn't want, what a United States Marine or Army, Air Force, or any other military person may be called upon to do, and that is to go into harm's way and put, put into action all the things that they were taught and learned uh, in boot camp. Friend of mine, today there is a, there is a very, very puny, weak attitude within so many people that name the name of Jesus. We have a formidable foe, powers, principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. I am highly motivated to take what God offers me in order to stand and to withstand. Everybody say to stand and withstand. Take you the whole armor of God and it enumerates each piece of the armor all the way down to the shoes. By the way, the shield of faith gets a lot of focus. Should get it. But faith isn't a cure-all, do-all piece of armor. It's one of several others. And in order to stand and withstand, you've got to take the whole armor, each piece has a place of vital importance. And I'm going to submit to you that the least and last thing that the Roman soldier put on, this is not chronologically ordered in the word, but it is the Roman soldier that they were using as the example. By the way, if you've ever, remember Roman meal bread? They had a kind of modern, more modern than Jesus' time Roman soldier. You don't remember Roman meal. You do. I tell you what, I should, I should, be, I should have a senior class. <laughs> You've got to be over sixty to relate to me. <laughs> Preferably over seventy. Can you say you don't remember? No. What kind of bread do you remember? Wonder bread. Wonder bread. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> Wonder bread. Yeah, it's soft and it's super nice. How about hill, hillbilly bread? Anybody go back that far? That's not just for people from Kentucky like me. It's a brand of bread. But Roman meal had a Roman soldier on it. But it wasn't the Roman soldier of Christ's time because there was a what they call a target shield. They called it a target. It was, it was just round. It was just a round shield, and it, it buckled to your arm. It was more of a buckler. That's why it had that. That's why David said, you're my shield, you're my buckler. It, it was used in close-up, hand-to-hand combat. But the shield of the Roman soldier of Jesus' time stood about four feet tall, about two and a half feet wide. He could actually get down behind it. It had a groove in one side of it. So when they lined up to go to battle, the Roman uh, soldiers, they linked their swords together in those grooves. And they marched in that unity with those shields linked. And you couldn't see them. All you could see was that shield. And so when the archers, and by the way, the fiery darts, they would soak their arrows in, in a, a, a flammable liquid some kind of oil, they would light it 
and they would fire it into the ranks of a marching army. And as, as, as it pierced people, if it didn't kill them, it set them on fire. And you can imagine all of that fire and all the chaos and they would break ranks and, and it, they, they would just, just be vulnerable then to the rest of the attack. The first thing was the archers with the fiery darts firing it into the crowd. But these shields absorbed that initial attack to put them in disarray and keep them from coming forward. The shield of faith quenches. You see the fire being put out that was meant to cause the chaos and the damage. Above all, really it doesn't mean putting it more prominent. That's not what this above means. It means in addition. In addition to the rest of it, take See, we've, we have put the shield as the, that's all we need. Just build your faith, build your faith, build, forget the helmet, the breastplate, forget your heart. I'm going to tell you something. You need to keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. Listen to me carefully. The breastplate is to guard that most vulnerable part of you. You can take a hit in the leg you could survive even if you might lose a leg, arm the same way. I know there's a big femoral artery here. I understand that you can bleed to death in, in four minutes. But, but, but if you're, you don't have four minutes if you take that arrow into the heart, that sword into the heart, that spear into the heart. And that's why there's a breastplate of righteousness. Can you say, man, positionally, we have it through the blood of Jesus. Practically and personally, we have that right standing with God as we overcome the, the world, the flesh and the devil. And we begin to walk in the light as he is in the light. If you listen to this, if you listen to let's talk about Jesus, you're going to hear about that following the God of light in this sin darkened world. It's not only possible, it is absolutely essential for the believer. Can you say man? Because if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus uh, has a continual effect in our life of cleansing us from all iniquity. Can you say man? All right, listen to me carefully. This is important. We argue not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities spiritual wickedness in high places and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And we're told to take the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand in the evil day when the devil sets himself upon you for your destruction, for your distraction, for, for your discouragement, for your obliteration if he can do it he wants to sift us all as the wheat but we have a high priest in heaven that stands up when we fall down but it's not so we can stay down it's so we can get up and stand and the way we're to stand is to stand firm or stand fast that we might be able through the armor of God to withstand in the evil day. To withstand what? His attack. Now to every believer it's going to come. Sometimes it's a strong temptation that seems to overcome us and overwhelm us. Other times it's a strong circumstance where we become discouraged. 
There's all kinds of ways that he attacks us mentally, physically. I have got up with, with, with something just wrong. And I thought, Lord, where did this come from? And then I thought, I know where this came from. Number one, I know it didn't come from you. Because every good and perfect gift comes down from him. Amen. And even when he chastens us, people think he's using what the devil is trying to harm us with to teach us. Now, if, if we've opened the door, given ground to the devil, it's a good teaching moment. He has our attention. I don't know about you, but when I'm in trouble, he has my full attention. I, I don't care what happened politically yesterday i don't care what happened on the soap opera which i don't watch anyway amen as the stomach turns and the young and useless and all the rest of those are those not the titles i haven't watched one in a long time i may have gotten that wrong but sounds right to me can you say amen listen to me carefully having done all the purpose of the armor is so you can stand. I want to submit this to you as we go forward. Until you stand, none of the rest of the armor is of any benefit. All of it is so you can stand. And Christians who do not stand, therefore... See, it's all about standing. Steadfast. Stand fast. Stand your ground. Listen, the Bible said that we are not to give place to the devil. The actual word place is terra firma. It's earth. It's ground. I grew up in a a Jim Walter home that was never finished. For three years we lived in it. We didn't have the bathroom, never got finished. Bathroom facilities. While they were building the house, they were building the outhouse. So we'd have a bathroom till we could afford to put in actual bathroom. And so we used the outhouse. We never had a bathroom in our house. We had a curtain over where the bathroom was going to be. And you could go use, you know, whatever you had behind the curtain. Or you could go out back. My mom and dad divorced at 12 years when I was 12 years of age. They never finished that house. The only way we could even afford to try to build that house was because they were able to purchase a small lot, a piece of land. You didn't have to have an acre to put a house on. But if you could buy a piece of land, Jim Walter Homes, Jim Walter Corporation, they would put a house and build it on that land because the land would stand good for the down payment on the house. And if you defaulted on the house payment because they had built it on your property and you had put your property up as the down payment, they took not only the house, they took the land. It was a win-win. If you defaulted, he had a house to sell that was on a lot that was paid for. The lot had to be paid for. Don't give any ground to the devil. And he will never be able to build a stronghold in your life. He he isn't authorized to do it. You have to give that to him. He wants to build a stronghold of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of doubt, of fear in your life. He wants to do that. 
But the weapons of our warfare, remember this, we're talking about spiritual warfare and winning it and being able to withstand and stand in the evil day. The weapons of our warfare, the scriptures teach, are not carnal. They're not a flesh. You can have holy resolve in your heart, but you have to have more than holy resolve. You have to have supernatural spiritual help to overcome. And God offers it in his armor. God offers that help in his armor. God offers it in his armor. Listen to me carefully. Take ye the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, that you might be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil, the strategies of defeat that he has. He has a plan to defeat me. He has a plan to defeat you. And the armor of God is so when the evil day comes, when he executes that plan in your life, and so much is at stake that you'll be able to overcome by withstanding because you're standing. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. God's armor is invincible. I want you to say that God's armor is invincible. Your righteousness can be picked apart. All of our righteousness at its best is as a filthy rag according to the old covenant. New covenant looked at the most religious people of that day outwardly. The scribe and the Pharisee. And and Jesus said except your righteousness exceed that of the scribe and Pharisee. You can't get into the kingdom of heaven. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be holy enough. You'll never be pure enough. And God can't accept you any other way. So there's only one way to get into the kingdom, and it's to obtain His righteousness. And that's why Paul said in being found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is according to the law, but the righteousness, which is the righteousness of God. Everybody say God's own righteousness. Hallelujah. Which is by faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Abraham believed God and it was imputed. Everybody say put to his account. Righteousness. Who put it to his account? God did. He believed God. He became right with God through faith. That is a pattern for the New Testament. And the righteousness. That doesn't leave us off the hook To put on the breastplate, to keep our heart with all diligence, and to live right before the Lord. But it begins with positional righteousness. And it continues into a personal righteousness. For the grace of God that has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, we should live righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world. So we're not just positionally made righteous through the blood. We are personally kept righteous in our hearts. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. Nobody can do that. It would be according to the law that you became righteous if you kept it to every detail. And the law is not done away with. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. God said thou shalt not and he means it. It goes for today, too. But you can't keep it perfectly. 
No one could. If anyone could, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. There was another way. And God said, no, there's no other way. If you don't go to the cross, no one will be saved. No one will be saved. Not even the saints of old will be saved without the cross. He forgave them based on Jesus to come. The whole sacrificial system was all about Jesus in type and foreshadow. And had not Jesus went to the cross, none of that would have had any effect. But it's because he went to the cross. And thank God for the cross today. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Thank God strongholds can come down. But thank God there's a place in the Lord where Satan can't build it. I'm so glad if I have messed up that stronghold and gave place, that stronghold can come down. But I'm going to tell you a better way. Don't give place to the devil. Because if you don't deed him the lot, he has no authority to build anything in your life. Can you say amen? But if you deed him the lot, he will build on that. And it will take deliverance to get you set free from it. Nothing short of God's deliverance. There's some people sitting in this room that strongholds have come down. And from here on out, the devil's going to keep seeking ground in your life. This is why standing your ground is so vitally important to victory. Can you say amen? We've got Christians today that I, I believe we put an overemphasis on faith and an underemphasis on righteousness. I don't, above all doesn't mean faith trumps every. Everybody goes to our president, pray for him and those in authority. Trumps is, is a, a term that means that it is above and beyond everything else. We've got whole ministries just built on faith, hyper-faith ministries, as if faith can do it all. I've seen a preacher preach on that. He, he said, I want, I want, I want, I want, he named all the fruit of the Spirit. And he said, I just want one fruit, faith, to come and stand with me. So faith, he designated people with each fruit of the Spirit. And faith came up and stood with him. And he said, now, I want, I want, he picked the biggest guy in the room. I mean, some big guy that could bench press a Buick, like your son-in-law. Amen. If he was here, I'd pick him to come up. Amen. And they tried to pull him away with just faith holding him. And I'm going to tell you, he grabbed hold of that guy and he pulled faith and him away. But when the rest of the fruit of the Spirit joined them, faith was one of many. It didn't stand alone. When you take all of the fruit of the Spirit, he couldn't budge them. He couldn't do it. You see, that's the problem. We pick something, and it almost like it trends in certain generations. And faith is trending right now in many areas. It's all about faith. If you can believe, you can get what you want. No, if you can believe, you can get what he wills. But if you don't learn to stand your ground, even with the shield of faith, you're going to fall. That person with that faith and has seen those miracles is going to get self-sufficient. 
self-exalting, self-absorbed, self-confident. And when a man says, behold, I stand, he's in dangerous ground. He'd better take heed because he's the next one to fall. Lest, lest I be lifted up above measure, Paul said, through my many revelations. There was given to me an emissary from Satan to buffet me. Hallelujah. And, and instead of asking God to deliver him from, he said, God, give me the grace to go through. Can you say, man, and God granted a sufficient grace. He said, going through, I will see how weak I am. But when I am weak... And I see how weak I am. Man asked me, you must have a backbone of steel. I didn't talk to him about my faith. I talked to him about Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Vimble, what is the secret? Ain't no secret. Looking unto Jesus. Come on. Come on, church. Ain't no secret. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. That's no secret. It's very clear. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's all about Jesus. Victory is in Jesus. The sword of the Spirit. The Word, the Word, the Word, how powerful is the Word of God. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word quick here means it's alive. And that's why it's living seed. And when it gets in a good ground heart, it brings forth fruit, 30, 60, and 100-fold. And there's some of you in here, you don't even know. Listen, you don't even know it's growing. But one of these days, fear is going to knock on your door. And you're going to send faith to the door. Hallelujah. Instead of cowering in the corner, you're going to send faith to the door. And faith is going to say, ain't nobody there. Ain't no big deal. Can you say, man, I got this. Praise God. Because you couldn't see when that Roman soldier ducked behind that shield, the, that whole army moved forward. This is approaching army, amen, that the fiery darts of the wicked one can't stop. And when they get close enough for hand-to-hand combat, they dropped that shield and pulled out. The Roman sword wasn't a big, long thing. It was a short sword. It was for hand-to-hand up close where you know that your enemy needs a tic-tac. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, I'm serious. You had to get up close to use a sword that long. Uh, the Roman sword of that day, the shield was humongous, but the sword didn't have to be because by the time you pulled your sword, you were eye to eye, nose to nose with your enemy. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So you got this sword that's so effective. You got this shield that is so effective. You got this breastplate that is so effective. You got this helmet to protect your mind and your head that is so effective. You got your loins girt about with truth and that's what you put the sheath for your sword on. It hinged on that. And the least and last thing the Roman soldier did, he got up in the morning, he put on the belt of truth. He put on the belt of truth. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be coddled. When I go to church, when I listen to a ministry, if he's not telling me the whole truth that is in the scripture, I have no need to listen any further. 
It may be a flowery sermon. It may be a sermon that he's enthusiastically delivering. It may be sprinkled with scripture here and there, but I don't want to just be coddled. I do not want to be patted on the back. I do not want to be told I'm right when I'm wrong. Because it's not that preacher, it's me in the evil day that's going to stand or fall. And I want to be told the truth. Because the Bible said, if you continue in my word, John 8, 30 and 31, you will know the truth. And it's not just knowing it by revelation. Continuing in the word means you're applying the word in your life. And if you abide in me, John 15, and my word abides in you. Your prayers are going to get answered. You can use your faith legally. God will listen when you pray. For the word of God will instruct you how to pray without praying selfish prayers. You'll learn how to pray selfless prayers. Not my will, thy will is a valid attitude to bring to God in prayer because that's what Jesus did. And I don't care what that guy that wrote the book that's got this big following says. I got Jesus. I, I, I don't know. I compare myself to Jesus and I come up short. And that's why I'm still growing in God. I got somewhere to go. I have not arrived. I do not expect to arrive until he comes. When he comes, we'll see him as he is for what? Instantly we'll be just like him. Can you say man? But until he comes, we got, we, we got some growing to do. Always reaching forth. Can I give you a scripture real quick? We're almost done, but we have barely started. We're just warming up to this thing. But I feel hot already. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 For time's sake, we're going to go to this. First piece of armor was truth. Gird up the loins of your mind your loins girt about it's a belt right here he put on his belt he's getting ready to take every other piece of armor but he starts with the belt of truth what is our belt of truth the scripture jesus is the way the truth and the life continuing in the word you will know the truth and the truth will make you free because the devil is a murderer from the beginning because he's a liar and the father of it and there's no truth in him and if you get god's word in you it will counteract every lie even though he sprinkles it with half truths even though he comes as an angel of light when he opens his mouth and it violates the truth of the word of god you tell that angel to take a hike oh you're authorized responsible to tell the angel to go away even if he looks like your concept of what is a perfect pure heavenly being there's a whole messed up religion based on a man who got a message from an angel of light and it doesn't even believe the truth about jesus and thousands of people have been hornswoggled and hoodwinked into that religious system and he got his message, another testament of Jesus, they say, because an angel, they believe in ongoing revelation. And they got a prophet right now that leads that organization that sits on the side of his bed 
and gets revelation. That was in the news this week. He sits on the side of his bed and writes in a pad as if, and is supposed to be as authoritative of anything in Scripture. And that is absolute error and heresy. Brother Rimble, do you believe they'll go to heaven only if they trust Christ as their Savior? They can't go because of that prophet and that guy that got his revelation from an angel. And how can you check? No marvel if Satan himself be transformed into an angel of light and his ministers as ministers of righteousness. How can you tell the difference? You get up and you put on truth. Tell me the truth. Truth is hard on your flesh and mine. Truth be told, we're going to tell it here. In my flesh and in yours, I'm going to include you with me. Because you ain't no better than me. And I ain't no better than you. And in our flesh, let me tell you what to expect. There is no good thing. That's why we're to put off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Revealed truth. Praise God and walk in the light. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. This is so important. So he puts on the belt. Let your loins be girt about with truth. Fill your mind with truth. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind because of that truth. Sanctify them through thy word, O Lord. Thy word is truth. That truth is liberating. It'll set you free from every lie of the enemy. He's a murderer from the beginning. For the truth, he's a liar because he's a li- he lied to Adam, didn't he? He lied to Eve. You will not surely die. And they bought the lie. If they had held to the truth that God had told them, they would have never given ground to the devil. They would have never bought the lie. We would be sitting in a garden today with no sickness, no death, no disease, no aging. Through one man's sin, the door was opened for the enemy. He gave ground and Satan took it. He became God of this world through Adam's sin. And you want to know the the principle that qualifies that. It's in the New Covenant. It's in Romans 6 and verse 16. It's a powerful truth. Whoever you, everybody say give ground. Whoever you yield your members, servant, doulos, it means slave. Whoever you bow to, whoever you listen to, whoever you obey and yield yourself, your member's servant to obey, make no mistake about it. His servant you are, whom you obey. Whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death, you're a free moral agent. You have to choose. And the Bible says, don't listen to him. Obey me. Don't give ground to him. Because he's a murderer from the beginning. For he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. 
So when you get up in the morning, get in the Word of God. Get in God's house. Go somewhere where you know you're going to hear the truth even if it hurts. It's supposed to hurt. Your preacher is supposed to help you crucify the flesh, not feed the flesh. Coddle the flesh. Pet the flesh. Allow the flesh to have an occasion. Bring a message that I can have everything my flesh desires and be totally right with God and overcome the enemy. You can't. You have to deny yourself to take up your cross and you have to take up your cross to follow Christ. Can you say amen? So the message of self-indulgence instead of self-denial. We preach self-denial here. It doesn't mean you're going to do without. It means you're going to have more than the material. You're going to have more than, than the physical. You're going to have spiritual peace and spiritual joy. I prayed in a home this week, and, and the way I opened the prayer to bless the home, because a home is mortar and stone, but the people in it determine whether it's going to be a house just a house or a home. And it said, when you as a representative of me and the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you go into a house, when you're invited into a house and they receive you. And by the way, let me, let me, this is, this is pretty serious stuff. He said, he that receives you receives me. And he that receives me receives him that sent me you can't you you can't separate all of this amen and i was so glad we were well received and the word was well received in that house so i was able to say what that scripture is saying i can't just bless a house if we're not received because if we're not received the word is not received christ is not received and if christ is not received god is not received he said, on the other hand, if you are not received and they turn you away and resist and reject the gospel and those who carry it, I am not received. And if I'm not received, my father's not received. Listen to me carefully. But if you receive it, let your peace be on that house. Oh, how we need God's peace. In our hearts and in our lives and in our homes. And as I prayed, I said, in my peace is a person. Not just a principle, not just a... My peace is all wrapped up in a person and that person is Jesus. He is our Peace. Hallelujah. The scriptures declare who has broken down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile and made us one. But make no mistake about it. He is our peace. His name shall be called in the old covenant. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. But the most cherished name of all those titles is Prince of Peace. Can you say, man, Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, give I thee. In this world, you're going to have trouble and nothing but trouble, tribulation, but cheer up. I've overcome the world. Can you say, man, literally, I've robbed it of power to harm you. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He puts on the belt of truth. He puts on the helmet of salvation. He puts on the breastplate of righteousness. He takes the sword of the Spirit. He takes the shield of faith. And none of it has any effect, as powerful as each piece is and vital as it is, unless he stands. So he puts on the last and least emphasized piece, and yet God says to overcome, you can't leave any part of it all. And you can't take one piece and put it like we've done with faith above everything else. If you're not right with God, you can't use your faith. You won't use it right. You'll ask and receive not because you ask to consume it on yourself. But if we ask anything according to His will. And by the way, if, you, if you're ever going to really want His will to be done... You're going to have to pray that loaded prayer that's patterned to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, my name's uh, Jimmy's not here. He was here last week, wasn't it? Jimmy Hodges took care of his daddy's funeral. Most of the Hodges I have helped to get to heaven or had a memorial for. Our Father, which art in heaven, you bow before you believe. You don't rush in telling him by faith, what you are demanding, you bow, hallowed be thy name. Thy, look at the surrender, look at the surrender, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how you discover the will of God. And the Bible said, and then this is the confidence we have in him. If we had asked anything according to His will. And by the way, you don't get all of His will in Scripture. You can't just see what we're doing. We're not bowing to His will. We're finding in the Word what we want and bringing that Scripture before Him. That's flesh. If Jesus had done that, He would have never went to the cross. He would have called the angels. They would have took him out of here and we'd all been damned and lost forever. But how did Jesus pray in the garden? A way we're not told to ever even go to today because we got a Bible. In other words, we can find a scripture for what we want. Put it out of context. Never bow to the lordship of Jesus, to the ownership of God. Amen. We didn't get an amen. It's true anyway. I told you I was going to tell you the truth. I don't have to have your amen to tell you the truth. It's true whether you amen it or not. It's true because the word of God is true. In the garden, how did Jesus pray? Not my will. Nevertheless, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless. Not what I will, but what you will be done. I don't go to the Scripture looking for a Scripture to get what I want. I go to the Scripture to teach me how to discover His will. Well, I got His Word on it. Well, here's what they grab. My God shall supply all of your need. I grab that one. 
whatever you, uh, uh, whenever you pray, believe that you receive. Well, the only way I can believe that I receive is have confidence that he hears me. I can't just believe it with just the force of my faith. I have to know that he's hearing me because I know I'm surrendered to his will. Remember the song we used to sing back in the day? All to Jesus, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him I freely give. Really? Really? We're in a generation where we got a guy with a $6 million home whose taxes are $185,000 a year. If he gave me the house, I'd have to sell it immediately to keep from losing it. Amen. I'm serious. It'd be a short sale. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, in Lakeland, that, that Homes and Garden magazine, or no, the home, home something channel that used to be on cable, home, it was a home channel. It's all about homes. And, and they ran, uh, they, there was a, a, a $3 million house in California, and a Lakeland couple in their 60s won it. They, they were depending mostly on their Social Security and a little bit of retirement. But they had a $3 million house in California. Whoopee! Then they said what we would say. Whoopee! We're going to, we're going to California. Amen. Live in a $3.5 million home. They sit down with a lawyer getting ready to sell their house and a realtor. Their little house here, you know, just going to go out in California. We're going to live. We're going to live the star lifestyle in California. And he figured up the taxes annually on the house. He said, we, they put that sucker up for sale. Amen. <laughs> Took the money and bought a house and paid for it that they could afford the taxes on. Ed McMahon. When he wasn't, Johnny's partner didn't have the same income. He made a few commercials, but he had a young woman, and she liked jewelry. <laughs> Sometimes when you're old as me, you have to give jewelry. My wife, she's not into jewelry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. She said, I don't need no diamond. I said, that, you go, girl. You go, girl. <laughs> You're my kind of woman. <laughs> Amen. We're going we're gonna to celebrate 56 years of marriage. She said, I don't need no diamond. Wow. You don't need no diamond? Good. Because I can't get you one. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Put a bow on me. Oh, come on, Mike. Come on. Come on. I'm not that old yet. It's a good thing she's not here. I can just hear her. Amen. Right now, she's probably thinking, what's he saying? I want a copy of that sent to me. We've got an emphasis on getting everything the flesh desires in this material temporal world we're told clearly in scripture we brought nothing into this world i went to a gym a guy come in there and he's in his mid-50s he come in he had a t-shirt on and it said i came into this world fat and bald-headed and i'm going out the same way can you say man? 
Hallelujah. We're going out. We're going out. And we can take nothing of this physical world with us, this material world with us. But everyone we influence for Jesus. Amen. He that winneth souls is wise. (laughs) And they that be wise in these areas of what is really important. Amen. Will shine as the, oh, you got to listen to, let's talk about Jesus. I wore the wrong glasses and I couldn't see uh, the timer. I thought we were three minutes over time. We had seven minutes left. I threatened to make another one. Amen. Say, I'm trying to keep it in 30 minutes so people take the time to listen. I got you now. You have to listen. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. But if you you can push a button and be done, you might have pushed it 15 minutes ago. But having said that, we're going to go on and finish today. I got victory in Jesus today. Hallelujah. I got on the belt of truth. The enemy cannot hornswoggle me. I will not give place to the devil. Listen to me. We put all these other things in the prominent place. Some of them trend. Faith is a powerful. God honors faith because faith honors God. And without it, you can't please him. That is a vitally important piece of armor. But it is not for most. If you don't stand, you can't fight your enemy. And in order to withstand, every piece of that armor has to be implemented in the evil day. So he puts on the helmet. He puts on the breastplate. He puts on the belt first and foremost to start it all. His loins are good about. His breast is covered. He takes above all, in addition to all, the shield of faith, wherewith you can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. But if he isn't standing against the evil one, if he's given ground, if he can't stand his ground, the power of God represented in each piece of armor is not implemented yet. So the last thing he puts on, Or his shoes. His shoes. Anybody hear anything about some shoes? Whole armor, whole armor. What about the shoes? His feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means he has a readiness to give the testimony of Jesus Christ to all who will listen. Being instant in season, out of season. Being able to give an account to everyone who asks the reason of the hope that is in you. His feet is shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The Roman soldier did not wear Stacy Adams. That's a shoe that used to be a very, I know you don't know nothing about it. Amen. Most people wearing George uh, shoes. But anyway, they're good shoes. They don't cost like Stacy Adams. It has nothing to do with Washington. It's not political. I love you. You get a lot of flack. Anyway, we need to vote, right? We better vote. Get it right so God can keep blessing America. And pray first. Pray first. And then pray after whoever gets in. Listen to me carefully. The shoes don't get no press. The shoes are not emphasized. 
and yet without the shoes. What did the shoes enable that soldier to do? They were hobnailed boots. They had that, that on the sole of them, on the bottom of them rather. You could stand and fight. You can't stand and use the rest of the armor unless you can stand your ground with that hobnail boot. You can't even get to the battlefield marching a barefoot army totally covered with all of this very effective imposing armament, the armor of God. Marching to the battlefield. The battle is going to take place 50 miles away. They're not going to get 10 miles barefooted. And yet, they're the last and least piece of spiritual armor. Some places only teach faith. One preacher said, I only teach faith. I'm a faith specialist. I don't teach anything else. I thought, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear a word you have to say. Number one, the first words out of your mouth are unbiblical. Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. You can't pick what's trending so you can get an offering and have everybody smile at you and give you a hand clap. And give God's message. Thank you for praying that we might hear what the Spirit says to the church. Because the Spirit and the Word agree. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Give God a hand clap. Amen. Thank you, Nisi. You began the hallelujah here. But when you put on the shoes of feet, shoes of peace, hobnail boot, you stand your ground with a readiness to give the testimony of Jesus. They overcame the devil by the word of their testimony. Can you say amen? And love not their life unto the death. When you stand fast in the Lord, stand fast in the faith, stand fast in unity, you be still to know He's God. But you stand still to see His deliverance. Can you say man? Listen to it carefully. How many are thinking about the hobnail boot of the Roman soldier? Having done all, stand. Having done what the armor for so you can stand. But if you don't stand, the armor has no value to you. And we've got, a, listen, I don't have a backbone of steel. That's not why I'm standing. I'm standing today because Jesus has sent me someone to stand by me. He's called alongside to help me stand. Can you say man? The Holy Spirit is called. He's not for the sick room, that comforter. It's the word paraclete. It means one called alongside to help. Amen. I need someone smaller than me, and it's hard to find. I think you might be the man. I mean, in weight, you're not smaller than You're stronger than me. You're younger than me. Don't wrestle me. Just come up for a minute. That guy could beat me, Lord have mercy. And I'd be so embarrassed. One called alongside to help. Let me show you your battle partner. One called alongside. You don't need a backbone of steel. And you got the Holy Spirit alongside you, holding you up. 
can you say amen? By the way, I'm in no way representative of his power. But if I can hold him up, just think what God can do in his life. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I will not leave you orphanous, but I'll give you another comforter. He'll be with you and he'll be in you and he will never leave you. He will abide with you forever. Can you say man? I don't need a backbone of steel because I have the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. He's not just propping me up. He's holding me up. Fulfilling the scripture that God promised to Israel. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Praise God. And he keeps telling them, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. I am with thee. I am thy God. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. You will not fall. Can you say amen? And you will not fail. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't need no steel backbone because I have no confidence in me. All my confidence is in him. And if I surrender my will and discover his will, now if you've got his word on it, fine. Just don't go to the scripture and pick out what you want. Scripture's to give you what you want. Begin with, Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I surrender all to you. You will discover the will of God and then you'll go to the word of God to implement the will of God in your life. If he calls you to the mission field, he'll give you the grace to go to the mission field. Someone said the will of God will not lead you, but the grace of God will not keep you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you re- has anyone found Second Samuel 2 and verse 11? This is going to speak for itself. Everybody say this as we read it before I read it. Second Samuel 23 and verse 11. When we stand our ground, the power of God is released in our life. Everybody say, when we stand our ground, the power of God is released in our life. Everybody say, Shama. It said, and after him, these are David's mighty men at the heading of my Bible. One of them was named Shama. These men went into a cave and David taught them <laughs> about how to release the power of God. And they came out of that cave of Adullam doing exploits that rivaled anything David did because they learned the principles of victory and releasing God's power in their own life. There's there's never just a hero with some inside track with God. Amen. David said, listen, God's power can be released in your life. You can claim the covenant. You can stand your ground. You can see God move. And after him, they're listing all of these. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. I looked up the word troop today militarily, and it could be as many as 600. But in that day, it was more probably around 200 Philistine soldiers. They came to steal like the enemy came to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what they came to do. There were farmers tending that field of lentils. These were not soldiers. But look what happens when this farmer claimed the covenant. One of you shall taste a thousand. 
and two of you shall what? Put 10,000 to flight. Listen to me carefully. It said, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people, that means everybody but Shammah, fled from the Philistines. But he stood. He stood. He stood. The armor is so you can what? Stand. Be still and know he's God. Stand still and see his salvation. Can you say amen? Oh, I'm going to say it again. I know we're almost done. We're going to get our money's worth out of this room today. Can you say amen? We only have one service. Be still and know that he's God. First thing he told Israel, when you see that army coming, be still. Be still. Be quiet. Don't panic. And then stand still and see. His deliverance. Salvation in the Old Testament is always, almost always about His delivering power and presence. Listen. But He stood in the midst of the ground. Everybody ran. At least 200 armed troops are coming. And He stood and defended it. And slew the Philistines. That means at least 200. He wasn't a soldier. He was a farmer. He had to use a farm implement. Well, that's no big deal. Samson used the jawbone of a donkey. When God's power is released, it's supernatural. I, everybody say, when God's power is released, it's supernatural. You, you don't need an Uzi and 15 clips. Can you, you don't need an AR-15. Hallelujah. You don't need a rocket launcher or a bazooka or a hand grenade. There's something better than all of that. And it's when God releases his supernatural power. Can you say, man, I don't know how he did it. I wasn't there, but I know he did it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And it all began with what? When everybody with within any sense of the natural ran, he stood having done all what? Stand. If you're not standing your ground, you can't use the rest of the armor. And that's why the devil doesn't want to put any emphasis on the hobnail boot of the Roman soldier. You'll never get close enough to the devil to defeat him because you don't stand when he comes against you. You need to stand fast in the Lord, the Scripture teaches. Stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the unity, having one spirit, one mind, one accord, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And I love the next verse because God did it through him because he stood the supernatural helped him to do what he could naturally never hope to do. But it all was released when he stood. And why did he stand? Where would he find that courage? I saw something the other day. It was a quote by John Wayne. Showed him with a cowboy hat and his horse right in the background. 
And it said, courage is making a decision to saddle up even when you're scared to death. In other words, you know the dangers. You know the possibilities of being hurt or harmed or killed. But you do what you know is necessary to be done. Courage. Be strong and of good courage and I'll give you the land. He's saying you need to learn to stand. 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 All of the armor is so you can stand so God can release his power against the enemy through your life. And instead... We've got some of the shiniest. We go to church every Sunday to shine the shield of faith without any regard to the peace of God in our life and the place it should hold. For the fruit of peace is sown in peace by them who make peace. You've got to have the peace of God. You can't even sell your testimony without it. If you're as messed up as everybody at work when you go through something, they look at you and say, so that's what church, that's what Christ does. That's what their religion does. Their God ain't ain't helping them no more than my drink is helping me or my drug is helping me. In fact, my drug and drink is helping me more because they can't take the drug and they can't drink the drink. And if they don't have God's peace, they don't have anything to lean on. That's hard on the flesh, but it's true. They don't need my nervous breakdown. And I almost broke. They don't need my confusion. God's not the author of it. They don't need my fear and my trepidation. They need my faith and my courage and my confidence and my hope. Put on as a helmet the hope of salvation. They'll see the hope that's in you no matter what you're going through and they'll want to know where to get it. So be ready to give an answer. Have your shoes on. Can you say, man, the preparation of the gospel of peace. I get up in the morning, amen, not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a Christian. I get up in the morning ready to testify. Can you say, man, because they overcome by the word of their testimony. We overcome by the word of our testimony. Hold fast. Stand fast and hold fast your profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Can you say, man? How many want to strap on the belt of truth? How many want to take the shield of faith? How many want to take the sword of the Spirit? How many want to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation? How many ready now to put on the shoes? Hallelujah of the preparation of the gospel of peace. So you can what? So you can what? Run from the devil the next time he shows up? No, so you can stand. Can you say, man, having done all, having done all, that means having put all of that armor on that he told you to put on, there's something left to do to implement every piece of it against your enemy. Stand. Can you say, man, Shama stood. He stood. He stood. Hallelujah. And he slayed 200 Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. God did it through him. 
Because he stood his ground. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being pushed around by the devil. I'm tired of being intimidated by him. I'm tired of his stinking, filthy lies. Remember the story I told you? Remember the story about the guy that decided I'm going to get out of the city? I'm going to the country. I'm going to just enjoy driving through the countryside. I'm so sick of the concrete and the, and the horns honking and the sirens blare. I'm going to drive at least 20 miles out into the country. And he's driving along in his little convertible and he sees a sign and it says, Talking Dog, $50. And he's intrigued by that. He drives down this lane and drives about a half a mile back into a, an old house with a screen door on it and an old rickety porch. And that sign is right there. Talking dog, $50. And he walks up on the porch and he knocks on the door. And immediately the guy must be out back. No one comes to the door. And the dog looks around, expecting the dog to bark. An old hound dog is laying on the corner of the porch, won't hardly look up, looks up at him and says, Hey, how you doing? (laughs) He immediately says, Wow, I didn't believe that. And the man says, You can really talk? And he said, I'm talking, aren't I? He said, yeah, but you're a dog. He said, tell me about it. He said, you know something? He said, I have been all over the world. The dog said, I have been all over the world. The United States government has used me. They put a service dog thing around me and dignitaries take me into embassies and I go and listen. Because they can detect listening devices, but they don't expect a talking dog. Even if he hears something, he can't tell it. But he said, I can tell everything I hear. I have a photographic memory. And he said, I can go in the Russian embassy. And somebody can have any reason to come fix their lights or anything and bring that service dog in. And he said, I can listen to what they're saying and come back and tell it. I've been to embassies and nations all over the world. I have worked for the sea. I I have been given a medal of honor by the President of the United States of America. And this guy's just, what? And the old farmer comes to the door and he says, I can't believe it. That dog really can talk. And he says, yeah, he can. He said, and you're selling for 50 bucks? He said, absolutely. He said, well, why are you selling for 50 bucks? He said, because that old dog can talk, but he has never been hardly off this porch except to go to the bathroom. He won't even bark. He's so lazy when anybody comes up on this porch. He didn't bark when you came and every Thing that comes out of his mouth is a bald-faced lie. And I'm sick and tired of listening to his lying mouth. In fact, if you want him, you can have him for nothing. 
Let me tell you something while we're laughing. Everything that comes out of the devil's mouth is a stinking, filthy, rotten lie. When he tells you God don't love you because the circumstances are closing in, if God loved you, if God loved you, he wouldn't let this happen. He's a liar and the father of it. God loved you enough to give his son. His son loved you enough to hang on the cross. Don't let your circumstance be more influential in your life than what he did for you at Calvary. And tell the devil to shut up. Hallelujah. Amen. I love the preacher. And so the, the, in counseling, a man came to him, and I know exactly what this is like. He said, I know what the Bible says, but the devil told me I was lost. I know what the Bible said. Uh, amen. But the, the devil tells me that God was not help me. I know what the Bible says, uh, but the devil said this. And the devil said that, Pastor, have you got a word for me? He said, I absolutely have a word for you. Quit listening to the devil. Can you say amen? Somebody give God praise in this room. Shama, the son of Aji, stood in the midst of the field and slayed every one of those that everyone else ran from. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And there was a testimony, not that there's a man that knows all kinds of Kung Fu and uses all kinds of weapons. No, there is a God in Israel because a farmer, a man with a hoe or a sickle defeated 200 at least armed soldiers in battle to protect what was theirs. Stand your ground. Hold your ground. Put on the armor and stand still. Don't run in panic, but stand and see the salvation of the Lord. God wants to release His power. He wants His name to be glorified. He wants His people, amen, not to be victimized anymore. He wants His people to be vindicated. We have been robbed. We've been sold a bill of goods. And some of it's coming through ministers posing as ministers of righteousness. Amen. And they're leading us down a path to selfishness, self-exaltation, self-indulgence, and ultimately self-destruction. Can you say amen? But there's another pathway. And I'm told in Scripture what Jeremiah was told. Stand you in the thoroughfare. Stand you in the gate. Stand you in the public place. And, and cry out, where is the old pathway? Amen. Someone, when I went to, to, to meet with another pastor this week in a home we were welcomed in, I was told... He is old school. I said, then we're going to fit like a hand in a glove. Amen. I'm old school too. Does that mean I'm antiquated? Outdated? No. It means I'm adhering to the unchangeable, inerrant, never changing. We don't need a new, improved gospel for the postmodern world. We need the truth of God. It set men free in the first century. It will set you free in the 21st century. Can you say amen? They're going to know we have a church in here one of these days. Will you stand to your feet today?